Okay, now I'm recording. So here we are, third episode. Third. Spooky. Three. It's the magic number. Spooky three. Spooky three. The spooky podcast. The spookening. The spookening. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, here we are, our third episode of Spooky, the spooky podcast. I'm Chris Dillon. I'm Shane Whitty. So, how was your week? My week was rather interesting. Um, as you know, I am a confectionery and um, petroleum salesman mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that um, works late at nights. That sounds a little bit better than, you know, gas station attendant, but. So, um, no, this week was rather interesting. Going to work, customer comes in and goes, yeah. You kind of got a crazy guy hanging out in the alleyway. Okay, it's Albuquerque. Sure. We got crazy people. Yeah. It happens. Well, so, you know, the kid is the kid is a junkie. I'm, I've seen him before. And uh, the customer's telling me, like, he's yelling at people and getting really aggressive. I'm like, okay, I'll call the cops. Well, I got, I got busy for a second. So, you know, 10, 15 minutes passed. The little rush is over. And he managed to stagger into the parking lot and a couple of other of our junkies chemically dependent depending on how you want to word it good guys trying to help the help this guy out and they're they're like no come out here bro because he's in the back end of 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 the store in the parking lot they're trying to pull him out to the light and i'm like okay so he's super high and acting a fool they're like no he's fucked up (laughs) Oh, not just not just high as kite. No, not just high as a kite. So, dude comes out and like it's basically like looking at the Grim Reaper. He's all in black, black hoodie, hoodies up, and his sleeves are pushed up, and he has cuts going down his arm, both of his arms. I mean, and it's a significant amount of blood. Oh, so like fresh cuts. Yeah, and well, it's dried, so he's right. been he's been messed up for a little bit. Right, but they're fairly recent. They're yeah, they're brand new because yeah. you know the drips have dried. Something my grandma used to say all the time. Oh no, you just let it drip dry. <laughs> right. Anyhow, so that his face is all busted up, and I'm like, oh okay, dude needs help. Didn't call nine one one. Called the local number, you know the the non emergency number because you know. He was standing on his feet. He wasn't, like, imminently dying. Yeah, he didn't have, like, you know, his pancreas hanging out of him or anything yeah. like that. But he was obviously in distress. And Yeah, sure. Given the nature of Albuquerque, I wasn't going to call 911 on this. Mm-hmm. You know, and I do have a background medical field. And yeah. he, uh, face was busted up. He had dried blood all over his face. And so he comes staggering out. And the two other homeless guys are like, hey, brother... We're not here to hurt you. Just sit down. We're going to get you some help. And he just keeps walking backwards. Right. And he starts backing out into the main street. And I'm like, oh, my God, he's going to get hit by a car. And I'm on, the, I'm on the phone already with the non-emergency cop number. These two, these two other homeless guys go out into the street, and they're blocking traffic because they don't want this guy to get hit because it's night. He's dressed all in black. And he's staggering across a main intersection. Now we have three homeless junkies in the middle of a busy intersection. 
two of the junkies are protecting the other junkie from getting plowed by a car because he is completely out of it and he is walking backward. So the one that's messed up and bloodied manages to make it to the median and then poof out of nowhere ninja comes walking around the corner and he starts yelling get away from him get away from him get away from him to which the other two are like we're not trying to hurt him right so it's just some dude who just appeared and he has a stick which you know working at this particular intersection a lot of homeless people have sticks it's a violent life yeah gonna have sticks sure and he comes up to the median. And he's like, get away from him. Get away from him. And I can see that he's holding a stick mm-hmm. of some sort. Then all of a sudden, he goes kung fu movie, pulling out the katana. It's all shling. And homeboy's carrying a full-sized axe. Not a hatchet. A full-sized axe. I'm all, oh, <laughs> hell no. Oh, shit. And he's like, get away from him. Get away from him. And he's holding it over his head. He's like, get away from him, get away from him. I'm like, uh, okay. And then he starts charging axe over his head and gives out like a full metal jacket. Let me see your war face. <laughs> ah! And he just thought, ah, and starts running <laughs> towards me. I'm like, oh, fuck no. <laughs> I'm not dying for this $9 an hour job. And I turn and, you know, run back a little bit because I'm going into the store. And, you know, mm-hmm. like if he's going to kill me, he's going to have to work for it. We yeah. ain't getting just an axe to the head. Yeah, totally. You know, out in the parking lot. <laughs> and so um, I did that. And then um, I've been I've been helping uh, this 88-year-old uh, woman uh, prep to move back to Liverpool, where she's from. <laughs> and so I went over there and I moved a bunch of heavy stuff for this sweet old British lady. Nice, sweet. And it's just cool that she's from Blackpool. Yeah. It totally sounds like Game of Thrones stuff. She's from Blackpool. Nice. <laughs> 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 and uh, that's about it. Got to play with my grandson a little bit. Awesome. You know, he doesn't like me. He loves Amber. He doesn't like me at all. <laughs> he likes me from a distance. He's like, oh, okay, cool. Grandpa's over there. Or as, you know, we're going with is the paypal um, is over there. Cool. As long as yeah. I can just keep, keep him in my eye line, we're fine. Yeah. And he totally looks like Jeff Sessions. His ears, I'm like, I just want to staple them to his head and, and be like, no, we're gonna, we're gonna make your body <laughs> fix this. <laughs> but he is adorable. Nice. And um, yeah, I couldn't be prouder. Nice. So you, you got attempted murder, sweet babies, and nice old British ladies. Yep. It's like a fun week. No, it's not too bad. How was your week? Oh man, it was. Uh, not even eventful. I just, I, you know what? I smoked a lot of marijuana and I watched a lot of movies and TV. That's what I did this week. Man, that sounds way better than my week. That <laughs> sounds kind of relaxing. Kind of was, yeah. So, kind of in line with our show, I came across this TV show. I started watching. I'm only like two episodes in. I'd never heard of it, but I guess it came out last year. It's called Channel Zero. Mm, and, no um, idea. It's it's like on. It was on Sci-Fi. I think they're working on a second season. 
not not ever hearing anything about it. It is pretty good. I actually, I uh, uh, are you you're familiar with uh, what uh, creepy pastas? Yeah. Okay. Now, fan fiction on creepy things. Yeah. Right. Is that? Yeah. Is, it's it's is basically my... just you know internet like ghost stories and scary stories. Um, so it's like Art Bell. What is it? Coast to coast that plays on AM radio. Oh yeah. Um, and it's all. No, one time the phone rang and I picked it up, and somebody just screamed into it. I'm pretty sure it was a witch. Yeah. Well, oh, thank you. East of the Rockies. It's it's, it's interesting. It's kind of like they. Uh, it's like modern, very, very modern urban legend. You know, all kind of proliferated on the internet. Um, and actually, my son had introduced me to them, and they're called creepy pastas because, um, it's it, it's just sort of like internet lingo. It was like. Someone writes a scary story, and then another person would copy and paste it to another site. And then, so they started saying, uh, just, you know, internet lingo being like, I copy-pasted it. Oh, it's like okay. saying copy-paste. Mm. And then that evolved into, because you, you could say you copy-pasted pretty much anything. But when you're talking about scary stories, then it becomes creepypasta. Oh. Yeah, so creepypasta. My son had introduced me to it, and... So it turns out the show Channel Zero is actually based off of an old creepypasta, one of the more popular ones. And I had remembered it because my son had showed it to me. It was called Candle Cove. And um, I don't know, the story is something revolving around like in the 80s, there was this kids TV show that would come on called Candle Cove. And it was like this puppet show with like pirates. And it had all this scary imagery in it. And there was like a, a, a skeleton pirate with like big creepy eyeballs. And he would like chase the other puppets around and be like, when I catch you, I'm going to skin you and kinds of weird shit like that. But then like in the story, it was that only kids could see it. And so like parents would walk by and they'd see their kids sitting in front of the TV and all they're seeing is like static. But the kids are just like all just sitting there all like, this is great. Watching it and they're like, what Wait, the fuck? Wait, so kind of like the poltergeist scene where the girl's just staring at the yeah, so that's what the parents see, but the kids are watching this creepy-ass kids show called Candle uh, Cove. That's okay. what they're seeing. And then some kids go missing and this and that. So that's, that was the story. So I had heard that this show about the show, and it was based off of that, and I was like, well, this is going to be spectacularly bad, and I want to watch it. So I started watching it. And you know what? It turned out to actually be pretty good. <laughs> so far, I watched it the first couple episodes, and I'm like, uh, like, this is actually really fucking creepy. And they have a monster in there that um, I haven't had the same sort of visceral reaction to a like TV or movie monster since probably the eyeball monster, the hand-eye monster in Pan's Labyrinth. Mm -hmm. um, just this, just, no. Uh, no, that, that one, yeah, that one was, yeah. It made you have to pick your underwear up out of your ass. Yeah, yeah. And so they've got one in uh, Channel Zero, and it's basically actually kind of similar in shape and movement as that monster from Pan's Labyrinth. It doesn't do the eye thing, the hands and the eye. <laughs> it doesn't have any eyes. It just has, like, sort of a face shape and a mouth. But the, entire, the monster is made entirely out of children's teeth. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with what I told you earlier, um, off air, which is, while I would love 
all these writers to, um, you know, be able to get laid <laughs> at the same time, I kind of don't want to because if you're getting laid on a regular basis, you don't come up with teeth monsters. Yeah, children's Baby, teeth monsters. Ch- yeah. No, you don't. You don't do that. Yeah. So. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. it's like it's, I'm all. Oh, that's actually kind of fascinating. Let me see that. What what's going on here? Yeah, no, and it's one of those things where I'm like, you know, I was watching the show and I was like, wow, this is actually pretty good. It's the writing's all right, the acting's good. I'm a little creeped out, even when they showed like the puppets on the TV show and they have like the skeleton puppet and it's got like actual eyes, mm-hmm. but it's like the skeleton face and it's like, oh, that thing's fucking creepy. <laughs> but then they this teeth monster comes crawling out <laughs> and i was just like no 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 do you you don't have to do this like, did you stop. pull your did you pull your feet up off the floor no no because it was you know i was safely inside pretty well blazed and the scene was outside okay so i have to have some kind of sort of similarity there for me to get that kind of freaked out <laughs> but yeah no because i also have and i know it's debatable some people say that it's not real I absolutely think it's real because I have it, and I have I have that thing. I can't think of what it's called right now, but um, like uh, if you see patterns of like small holes and things, like have you ever heard about this? Mm, where like I don't think so. Yeah, it's like anytime I see something where there's like a pattern of very small holes, it just creeps me the shit out. Like I get like the shakes and the shivers and stuff, and it it, it like it makes me feel gross. And, I forget, and it has an actual name, and I don't, I can't think of what it is. I'm sure somebody will message me and tell me what it is. So if I was like to go grab a one of my strainers right now, and then hold it up to the sun, and you could see the shadow of the yeah, yeah, the it would there. it would skeeze me out for okay. sure. All right. And then just I'm not going to do that, and I don't want to skeeze you out. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but it, it, there's kind of a similar effect when I see this monster on the show because. It's all just sort of these layers of children's teeth, and then it's moving, and they're all kind of. But it's it's in a it's in a pattern. It's it's very. So is it kind of like snake scales? Kind of, but with teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Baby's teeth. So yeah. Children's teeth. Little man. teeth. It's a little. It's like hundreds of thousands. I don't know, a million little baby teeth. So is makes this, up this monster. So is this monster like a cuckold to the tooth fairy? Or? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I haven't gotten that far in the show yet. I'm only like two episodes deep. But. She's going to show up two episodes <laughs> later. Have a, tooth fairy's going to have a leash on him. You're like, don't make me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, but it, it, it shows up and it's in the show so far. It's like, it makes like kids kill each other or something. Or they go missing. I don't know. But it's, it really kind of creeps me out. Um. Like, another thing, like, uh, here in Albuquerque, we have a famous restaurant called The Frontier. It's just so, so much, such good food. A la carte. But the thing about The Frontier is it started off as this kind of small restaurant many, many years ago. And then as they kind of got bigger, they sort of started buying the buildings next to it and then busting through and then making Mm. new dining rooms. And so it's this almost block-long restaurant. Um... It's, it's all seating. The food's great, but they have uh, a room called the John Wayne Room, and it's filled mm-hmm. with pictures of John Wayne. I've had many red chili burgers there. Hell yeah. It's great. But the thing is, is uh, in the past few years, they got a new John Wayne uh, picture that uh, it's one of those ones that's made entirely out of screws. And so it's just someone like mm-hmm. screwed in a bunch of screws at like different depths. 
and it sort of makes this John Wayne image. So it's like one of those like kids' toy things that's got all the pins in it, and you yeah, and like you put your you hand put your in hand it, and it makes the imprint in the hand. Mm-hmm. It's like that, and then they painted the screws, and so it has like a three D texture to it of John Wayne. But these screws so close together, kind of screwed at these different different depths. Like I get the same feeling off of that. Like I see that picture, and it's just all these little circles in these patterns and it skeezes me out and like i said there's there's a name to it and some people say that it's not real that it's a fake thing but i can't say that because i absolutely have it if it affects you it's a real thing yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) i mean like you know i think some people are saying that it's an actual like condition and i think maybe that's where the debate is is if it's an actual whatever like i don't care all i know is that it makes my balls feel weird when i when i see (laughs) that kind of you know what i mean so, um, I've been like, so yeah, that was probably the most exciting thing about my week. <laughs> Getting creeped out by a baby tooth monster. So that, but I imagine by the, by the next time we record, I'll have uh, seen the whole uh, season and we'll see how that goes. A baby tooth monster and John Wayne. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yep. But it sounds like you were dealing with some true crime stuff. Yeah, for, you know, as, as we stated in our, you know, pilot podcast, or episode one, mm-hmm. um, you know, we both said that we're, we're skeptics. When it comes to, like, scary movies, mm-hmm. and I'm sure people will disagree with me on this, mm-hmm. the most terrifying movie in the world to me is the movie Seven. Okay. That's because that person lives out there there are those people walking around you know these people walk amongst us sure whether they're motivated by religion or politics or whatever you know the end justifies the being yeah john, john doe and seven he's plausible like real world plausible exactly and and those are the things that creep me out sure absolutely and most. i you know and i actually probably make mention too is like because we are a spooky podcast you know um you know, Toby Hooper died a couple of days ago, and you know, which is a total bummer. But that kind of falls in line with what we're talking about. One of my favorite horror movies of all time is the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which Toby Hooper directed. And that's kind of a similar thing. Like that's, it's plausible. Like that could happen for real. There's nothing supernatural about it. It's a total bummer that Toby Hooper died, and I guess it was about a year ago. Uh, Gunnar Hansen also passed away, who was the original uh, uh, Leatherface in the first. Um, Texas Chainsaw I know Massacre. that affected you pretty, pretty It did much. affect me pretty bad. You know, I was fortunate enough to uh, work on a movie with Gunner at one point, and he was um, just the nicest guy that you'd ever meet. He's a, just a gentle giant, that guy. And he's huge and just a beautiful person. And the very first thing I ever said to him, we were having dinner, and I looked at him and I said, you know, you were responsible for just a good amount of my nightmares as a child. <laughs> and all he had to say to that was, I get that a lot. Pass the potatoes. <laughs> I get that a lot. And then we had a fine dinner and worked on the movie, and um, oh, it was pretty great. It's funny, because so um, my dad was, you know, young and rambunctious, rebellious, some might say. Mm-hmm. So Texas Chainsaw Massacre is playing at the drive-in. Right. And my dad and his buddies took a chainsaw and 
to the drive-in with him for, for this movie. Like an actual... Like an actual chainsaw. Okay. <laughs> so, they waited. Mm-hmm. They waited. And then they just fired up that chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs> My dad swears that they that they did so much damage to that place because everybody was peeling out and <laughs> taking off. They're like, oh, sorry, Mary Jane Rotten Crotch, we ain't getting them in the back seat tonight because there's somebody with a chainsaw that's going to kill us all. And so they <laughs> tore out of there, you know, and you had the speakers that you would put yeah. from the pole into your car. I, I always thought like that ripping was the, a, ripping those yeah. things out. And <laughs> I just think pretty funny. That was a hilarious story. Yeah, yeah, and, the, and and that's actually why I feel like the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre is one of the most perfect horror movies because um, it does have that kind of true crime feel. It's plausible. Like there could there. I mean, there was. I mean, it was based off of Ed Gain, mm-hmm. um, who was a real person who really chopped who people up. Did and, have a nipple belt. He had a nipple belt and like a, <laughs> a, a, a lady a lady skin suit and he made like lampshades out of people's skin and shit. Mm-hmm. And um, he took jerky to a whole new level. Exactly. <laughs> but the thing is about Texas Chainsaw Massacre is you can go and you could talk to somebody who's seen the movie and be like, "Can you describe it for me?" And a lot of times, more often than not, people are going to say, "Oh, it's so gory and this, you know, like so visceral and all this kind of stuff." But the, the magical part about it is is that's not at all what the movie is. There's only, I think, one actual scene of actual violence in the movie. Mm-hmm. But it's all sort of off-screen. It's all implied. Like, Toby Hooper was a genius because he put that horror in your head. He made you think of it exactly. yourself. And I think that's what a lot of horror movies are missing these days because and, they just want to show you everything. Yeah, they, yeah. And no, the, that is the genius of him was that he put that implication in your head. Yeah. What messes with you the most... And so all the stuff that happens off screen, you're like, oh, no, he totally, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You can just kind of put your own scary spin on what's happening. And it's going to be extra scary for you because Mm -hmm. it's tailored from your brain for you. No, it's very much in the vein of Hitchcock, you know, where that creepiness factor he didn't have to write that stuff or direct that stuff. Yeah. He just, I'm going to cast a shadow a certain way, yeah. <laughs> and I'm just going to let your mind run with it. Yeah, I'm going to give you some sounds to kind of build off of <laughs> the atmosphere, and you let your brain run wild. And that kind of true crime stuff is the why it's so extra scary. And I keep saying true crime, true crime, true crime, because that's what we're going to be talking about in the next at least couple of episodes. Because yeah. I, I understand you have something you want me to see. I do. There is a piece of paper on the 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 fine mahogany desk hand-carved mm-hmm. next to you. At our at our world headquarters. At our world headquarters. The spooky world headquarters. All right, let me get this piece of paper and let me take a look at it. All right, you're going to have to kind of piece it together because it's relatively old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm seeing that here. So what do we have here? We have, it looks like a certificate. And the certificate says, the World's Columbian Commission invites you to participate in the ceremonies attending the dedication of the building of the World's Columbian Exposition at Jackson Park in the city of Chicago 
October 20, 20th, 21st, 22nd, 1892, and requests the favor of an early acceptance to Mr. Something H. Witty, Chicago. William. That's oh, William H. Witty, Chicago, and then something else I can't read. World's Columbian Exposition. So, now, this isn't, you know, the Columbian Exposition, also known as the World's Fair, mm -hmm. in Chicago. Right. That took place in 1893. Now, this isn't an invite to that, but this is something in my family. Mm-hmm. Um, my family was, I guess, rather prominent in the 1800s in Chicago. Okay. Thank you for stopping prominent and, you know, not giving me a trust fund. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so they're invited to, so um, where they're building the park, right? And this is your great, This is my great-great-grandfather. Great-great-grandfather. William Whitty. William H. Whitty. Um, so, um, this is when they were dedicating the buildings for the 1893 World Fair. Right. Columbia. Which is, yeah. got all kinds of history behind it. Oh, oh yeah. Um, it's the first time that they used electric lamps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And. I've seen pictures of it, and it was absolutely beautiful. No, what they amazing. put together is yeah, like it's, it's an achievement. It. Like you wouldn't believe. You know, this being the 1890s and stuff. Well, there was there was this little rascally scamp that happened to be working in Chicago at that time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we were. I'm, I'm a little aware of him. Uh, yeah. Triple H, not the wrestler. We're talking about. H. H. Holmes. H. H. Holmes, who, if you don't know, is considered to be uh, America's first serial killer. Yes. And um, this guy was twisted. Very twisted. Mm -hmm. He even had like the the dastardly mustache thing going on. He did, and you he know he could have totally like twirled that thing. You look at that picture of him and tell me he couldn't twirl that thing. Oh, he could absolutely twirl that thing. Give him, I mean, he did need a little bit of little bit of mustache wax, that would have really kind of helped that situation. But, but my understanding of it is, is he didn't have he didn't have an issue with the ladies. No, he was a uh, he was a doctor, fairly well off. Um, came from a prominent family. Came from a prominent family. He was born Herman Webster Mudgett in, on May 16th, 1861 in New Hampshire. Just um, as the Civil War was kicking off, folks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And uh, so uh, Mudgett, who eventually changed his he changed his name actually numerous times. But by the time he made it to Chicago, he was going by... H.H. Uh, Holmes, Henry Howard Holmes. And he started... Uh, Sounds like the greatest porn star name ever. <laughs> <laughs> right? right? Well, and the thing was, is that, like I said, he, did, he didn't seem to have uh, any kind of problem with the ladies. He could just, you know, he was, a, he was a, for the time, a fairly attractive dude. He had that uh, amazing mustache. Had a good paying job. Good paying job. He was a doctor. Had money. Came from a prominent family. It was really easy for him to attract a woman. Yes. And 
he was also quite the con man. And quite. And that was part of it. Is by the time he had made Chicago, he had he had changed his name quite a few times because he was really into insurance fraud. And so he liked to uh, get buildings, businesses, things like that, insure the crap out of them, and then burn them down or make something happen, and he'd collect on the insurance. And so by the time he gets to Chicago, uh, and this is before, right, probably right around the time of this certificate, um, he manages to get his hands on a, a little pharmacy in Chicago that he starts working out of. Mm -hmm. And then he gets an idea. And that idea is he wants to build. He knows that the... The newly formed light bulb went <laughs> off in his head. The newly formed light bulb, yep. And he's like, look, the, uh, the Columbian expedition is going to happen. Here's an opportunity for me to make a whole lot of money. So he spends a whole bunch of his ill-gotten gains to build uh, a, just a huge building. Um, well, let's not forget that he killed the original owner... Did he? Of the pharmacy. Yeah. Well, the person went missing. Yeah. It was... The person, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they went missing. Yeah. And that was, that was part of what he, his, his deal, too, is that he would get... He would become friends with or get into a relationship with somebody that had some kind of property or some kind of money, and then that person would end up like, missing. Here's how we can make some money. Right. Is if you um, take out this life insurance policy and then you die and then, yeah. you know, you make me the recipient and then I'll give you X amount right. of said thing. Yeah, to insure yourself, insure your building and sign everything over to me and then conveniently that I'll person... I'll get you on the backside. Yeah, <laughs> but conveniently that person ends up missing afterwards. I mean, we can't... Allegedly, he murdered them. Allegedly. And by allegedly, I mean he absolutely fucking murdered those people. <laughs> he totally killed those people. <laughs> yeah. um, and in some pretty brutal manners too. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was not a uh, he was not a pleasant fellow. But so with all this fraud and murder and all this kind of stuff, he used his funds to build this big building, which on the first floor was for like shops and stuff. He has a pharmacy down there. Other shops open up, <clears throat> and then on the top he builds. Uh, a hotel with the idea of all these people are going to descend on Chicago for the World's, World's Fair. 27 million from um, the research I did. 27 million people in 1890 Chicago right. descended upon it. And Chicago at that time was still very much, you know, um, you know, Chicago was infamous. The history of Chicago was infamous for its stockyards. So, like, all the people from Texas and New Mexico, all these ranchers from, you know, south of Chicago, they would drive their cattle mm -hmm. to the stockyards in Chicago. So, it was very much a very rural place. Right. Or at least had a very rural section of it. Right. Yeah. But then I was looking at some, kind of, some of the pictures of when the expo was happening, and it was just wall-to-wall -wall people in the streets. So many people came to Chicago during this time that, I mean, they were just shoulder to shoulder. That's a lot of people. And so he has the great idea, like, well, I'll, I'll open this hotel and I'll make this money off of the expo. And that worked out really well for him. <laughs> uh, In he, more than one way. He was very successful. His building was uh, roughly a mile away from the expo. 
and he would go down during the day and he would kind of mingle with people and there was sort of a target toward um, older ladies uh, who were obviously for money uh, that uh, he could tell that they were by themselves. They had come from somewhere else and they were just checking out the expo and he'd go and chat them up and say, hey, you know, if you need somewhere to stay, I've got this place. And if you need some tincture of flannel, yeah, I've got that in my pharmacy. <laughs> yeah, I can hook you up all kinds, you know. And uh, he was he was a charming fellow, as um, sociopaths tend to be. Mm. And uh, and so he was pretty much always full as far as booking on this hotel, but not many people actually made it out <laughs> the next day. Um. As I've as I've read, uh, he they they've only actually confirmed. I think it was nine murders. The numbers are so weird. Right. Like the, the only the only confirmed is nine, but it's estimated that he killed upwards of two hundred people. I think. Um, upwards of that, um, I've heard that he, at one time, admitted to twenty-seven. Mm. Of those murders, but he was so—I don't want to say discombobulated—but he gave so many conflicting stories right. on it. And then, right before he was hung, he said, "No, I only killed two people." Right, but the, by that time, they had managed to confirm nine, <clears throat> and they're like, "Well, either way, <laughs> like, you're on the gallows, buddy. Like that's not going to change anything." <laughs> no, I only killed two people. So, oh. Oh, I can't do a life sentence. Ah, oh, shit. Oh, <laughs> so let's talk it. about let's talk about how he managed to kill all these people. Oh, there were some very interesting ways that he mm -hmm. managed because the to building kill the building has a nickname. Yes, it does. Because the building the building at the time I think was one of the biggest buildings outside of the expo. Mm -hmm. It was one of the biggest buildings in Chicago. It was and so three stories. I think it was three stories, and every everybody kind of affectionately gave it the nickname the castle. Your average Chicagoan would see it and say, that's the castle. But it had another nickname. Yes, it did. They added an adjective later on. to the noun. Yeah. It became known as the murder castle. <laughs> <laughs> because, as, uh, as I understand it, when he was building it, he had this uh, uh, very interesting uh, sort of way of doing it. Is he would hire local people to help him build this thing. But he wouldn't give anybody the full bl blueprints. He would give them a portion of it, they'd build it, and then he'd come up with some sort of bullshit reason why they needed to be fired. He was Donald Trump before Donald Trump. Absolutely. <laughs> and so he'd say, you fucked this up. They didn't. But he'd come up with some stupid reason. He's like, you're fired, and I'm not paying you a dime. So he basically got this thing built pretty much for free. <laughs> because he just kept hiring people. They'd build a little bit. He'd fire them, hire somebody else. They'd build a little bit. And so nobody knew what the actual layout of this place was, and that was by design. Well, yeah, you don't want, you know, you don't want, you know, Joe the plumber yeah. to know where, you know, the pipes are, you know, that you have a secret. Just lay the pipes, dude. Yeah. Just lay the pipes. You don't even know about my secret room or my trap door. Yeah, because that's the 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 top floor of this building. Or my garbage chute that can acquire that can handle a large person to go down to the basement. 
yeah. that you don't know about that exists because you haven't seen the blueprints to know about the basement. You don't need to know what's going on down there. No, not at all. Because that was the thing, is that this, the murder castle on these top two floors was built, it was so labyrinthine that like there was secret passageways. There was something like 52 doors that just opened up to a brick wall. Yeah, yeah, just passages that would go nowhere, doors that would open to nothing. There were secret rooms, passages between the walls, um, and then there were chutes that led straight all the way to the basement, which was basically his like torture dungeon. And he had uh, pipes that would go into the rooms. The rooms were lined with asbestos, so they were soundproof, and then they were sealed, uh, air sealed. Mm -hmm. So he could get somebody into one of the rooms, lock the door, they couldn't get out, and then he'd just pump in gas. I know, right? To make him pass out or die, and then he would take the body or whatever and then perform his dark experiments in the dungeon. Come on, Triple H, man. <laughs> Lift some weights, you know? Take your victim out. Don't do this passive-aggressive thing and be like, I'm just going to gas them while they're in the room until they pass out, and then I'll move them. Like, come on, man. Put him in a chokehold. <clears throat> yeah, so, but, you know, looking at his picture and, and, and all descriptions I've seen of him is that part of the reason why he was so kind of attractive was that he was a, he was a handsome dude. He has kind of a slight build. Um, and I don't know. He, apparently he was just like the 1890, he was a dreamboat. Well, it's like, it's like the, the invitation that I, I showed you there. So that that is like the one sliver of german in my ancestry and the mm -hmm. rest of it is you know there's another little tiny sliver of scott and then three quarters of my lineage is irish mm -hmm. right <laughs> and so it led me to believe that in the 1890s that irish you know you know like earth girls are easy the movie right that was 1890s but just Instead of Earth, say Irish. They're like, yeah. you got a job and you're interested in me? Oh, hell yeah, let's do this. Hell yeah, let's have all the children because we're all we're Catholic. <laughs> yeah. Um, but and so uh, while he's doing this, so he's got, he's running his pharmacy. He's got the murder castle. So at night he's killing people and torturing them, doing all kinds of weird shit in the basement. On top of that, he's got, at, at one point, he has four different wives in Chicago. None of them know about each other. And he's taking mistresses left and right. So he was a busy guy. I think when he died, he was still officially married to three people. Yeah, something like that. Well, what was interesting is that all of his actual official wives lived their whole lives. He, didn't, he never killed any of them. Well, so you, so, you know, to keep yourself safe, you should marry... <laughs> I'm like, no, that'll bring too much attention. I'll just take a mistress and yeah. Oh, and he would kill the shit out of his mistresses. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was just as soon as he was bored. Uh, yeah, they they'd end up missing. Um, a couple of them. Let's see. There was one uh, that started working at his pharmacy, who quickly became his mistress, and she had a small a daughter, uh, less than ten years old, I think. And uh, they kind of had this family thing going on for a bit, but then he got bored, and uh, the two of them were never seen again. Oh, I'll just tease in the future about, yeah. Yeah. 
And there was a there was another mistress who they know for a fact what he did with her was he they had, he had one of those big uh, safes like the uh, like the a big wall one that you could walk into, and he was like, hey, can you give me some papers from in there? And so she walks into the safe and then he just closes it behind her and just seals it up and then just left her there for you know to die. And uh, well, did he get the paper? I'm sure he probably got it later. I don't think he really wanted the paper. <laughs> no? It was, it was all a ruse? Yeah. And then, so the other part of it is, is uh, on top of all this stuff that he's doing, he's also conveniently has all these articulated skeletons to sell to the local uh, medical college, mm. which they're buying from him on a regular basis. I think it's like $200 a pop. Which I think in like eighteen nineties money is that's like, like four gajillion dollars. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's making a ton of money between his insurance fraud, selling these skeletons, which they're not asking questions about. Well, well, that's the funny thing is about the skeletons is that's what you know what is reported as being the trigger for him because he was deathly afraid of skeletons, and so he was bullied when he was you know a kid. And uh, some of the bullies locked him in a room with a skeleton. Oh, okay. I didn't. Like, I didn't and that he part, was yeah. freaked out about it. But later on, he goes to write, and again, he writes so many contradictory things. But it was being locked in that room with the skeleton is what got him over his fear of death. But hmm. then, being the con man that he is, he's like, oh shit. Yeah. How much are you going to pay for a skeleton? Yeah. Oh, I got you. <laughs> I'm just wondering, like, if when he was in his predatory phases, if he was like, okay, no, looks like she, looks like she's got all of her teeth. <laughs> and maybe that's why, and, you know, to make that money, that's probably why his, uh, you know, in my opinion, is that's why his choice of killing people was asphyxiation, was Right. That way there was no blunt trauma to it. He's like, not only am I going to get my rocks off for killing this person, but I'm going to strip them down and then sell this thing and get me $200. Yeah. It's a lot of money back then. And I think because if I remember correctly, in the dungeon of the murder castle, he had a few different, I mean, because he had his like kind of lab, like experiment room where he had he had built like uh, uh, like little tables and stuff where he could make, do his experiments on the bodies, and um, and I think probably if I remember right, they, he had uh, like furnaces and stuff so he could burn some of the bodies mm -hmm. if he wasn't going to yeah. sell the skeleton or whatever. But he he would no, he, he take the body, it. run his experiments, and then he'd strip it of all its flesh, and then if it was the skeleton was able to be is good enough to be articulated then he would sell that to the college. But if not, then he'd probably just burn it or yeah. get rid of it somehow. No. And uh, he's just doing this all he the time. He sold organic meat at the farmer's market <laughs> yeah, on the weekend. Probably. <laughs> but the thing that trips me out about it is, like, nobody ever asked him any questions about this. Like, how are you showing up with these, like, legit human skeletons every couple of weeks? Right? <laughs> They're just like, oh, awesome. Here's 200 bucks. Thanks. Well, no, I guess that was one of the breaking things is when he finally got caught and tried was, you know, he said, oh, no, I had a cadaver shipped to me from 
a professor at this is when he was this later on when he was in Philly hmm. and the lawyer said well then how did if, if it was a fresh corpse how did you break the rigor mortis <laughs> and he couldn't answer it and they were like yeah you're done right <laughs> right but what's crazy about that is that those questions didn't come up until he, after he was already caught yeah which mm-hmm. he was never caught because of the murder casting no it was because he, he didn't give uh didn't give somebody uh, money promised to him to pull yeah. an insurance scam yeah which we'll get into later but that's the crazy part to me is that for however long, while the expo is going on, he's just doing just fine. Nobody's asking questions. People are just going missing. And what you know, a fine citizen. He's got a pharmacy yeah. and a hotel, and he's helping the city of Chicago thrive. Absolutely. And then, you know, an attractive lady walk in. She's new to town. Hey, you know, I can hook you up with a job here at my pharmacy, help you out, you know. I know you're new to town, that sort of thing. And then within a couple of weeks, they're getting it on. And then within another couple of weeks, they're murdered. (laughs) Which apparently was pretty easy back then because, you know, this is the late 1890s. Tons of people are just descending on Chicago. And so all, like, wherever they're from, could be Ireland, England, friggin' New York, wherever... All their family knows is they went to Chicago to check out the expo. They don't know where they're staying. They don't the know world where they're fair still is The World Fair is still a big thing. Right. Yeah. You know, now, yeah, you can send a text. 1890, you know. Yeah, it's none of that. Maybe you could send a telegraph. Yeah. So all they know is that their, their, their family member or friend or whatever left to go to the expo, and they just never came back. And where do you start? You can't really investigate. Like, how would you even start with that? Well, no. I mean, it's, uh, the first conviction when it, uh, when it, the first conviction, like forensic science back then, um, before he was arrested, um, they were just introducing. Oh, hey, check it out. We know how to <laughs> copy fingerprints. Right. You know, in the early 1800s, like, oh, if we do this test on blood, we can detect arsenic. Right. You know. But there was the first person convicted, I believe, was in an England on fingerprint evidence, was in 1902 in mm-hmm. England. Mm-hmm. Before that, I mean, in the late 1890s, the literacy rate in America was maybe 50 percent, 52 percent, somewhere right. right around in in there. Um, and you could literally just go change your name. I mean, you didn't even have to change your name. You could walk right across the street and leave from being Chris L. Dillon, go across the street, and be, you know, Marvin G. Sharp. Right. And they'd but you like, don't have to go that far. I'd just go across the street and just rename myself, like, Chris L. Millen. <laughs> and no one would ever find me again. I, I've, as far as they know, I disappeared off the face of the planet. Yeah. Make your mark. Sign this contract, put an X down. Okay. It's all legal. Yeah. You can't read these fancy words like the. Yeah, so we've got America, which is filled with pretty much dummies. <laughs> <laughs> and then we got this guy who's, you know, granted, he's a sociopath, psychopath, but he's smarter than pretty much everybody else. And he knew exactly how to do this stuff and how to get away with it. And so he'd meet these women and. 
they would usually have some kind of money, some kind of property, something like that, and then he'd finagle it to where at some point they'd sign their shit over to him, and then they'd go missing, and then he'd go collect. He would fill all of his, uh, like, fill the murder castle with the finest of furnishings and decorations that he all bought on credit, and he never intended on paying any of that back. Um, Because as soon as people would come to collect, he would come up with some sort of story, some kind of way for them to to lay off for a little bit, and then he'd change his name, go missing, they'd show up, whoa, well, uh, Holmes isn't in right now, but... And it was just really easy to pull that kind of shit back then. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Identity theft is not a new thing. (laughs) It was just way, way easier back then. Yeah, yeah. And meanwhile, he's down in the basement, just like playing in puddles of blood or whatever. (laughs) Having a great time. Yay! So it's estimated that that what everything I've read is been it's they they think that over the course at least at minimum two hundred people. Well, yeah, they can't confirm because he he did admit to some, and some of those victims like reportedly showed up later still alive. Yeah. So I don't know, like maybe he was just like P.T. Barnum. Of serial killers at the time. <laughs> and he's like, the greatest show on earth. Check out this mermaid. Rawr. Yeah. Uh, it's no, it's totally real. <laughs> well, that just makes me wonder now, too, because he was right around the same time as P.T. Barnum. <laughs> Maybe he's the one that provided the <laughs> upper half of the mermaid <laughs> to P.T. Barnum. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> well, and, and, and kind of recently, I, I read is that some people think. And I don't at all, but some people believe that it's possible that Holmes was also Jack the Ripper. Now, this is just predicated on the fact of how brutal and awful he was. He was a doctor. Jack the Ripper clearly was had some kind of medical background because mm. of the way he murdered people. Everybody knows the Jack the Ripper story. And there's no records of what he was doing or where he was during that time uh, uh, that Jack the Ripper was doing his shit so it is i mean i guess it could be entirely possible he was in london pulling this shit um i don't believe it myself but it's it's actually gotten far enough that they're actually exhuming his body to but he's buried in concrete right that was one of the that was one of his stipulations because he didn't want anybody mutilating his (laughs) corpse right oh but the reason why they're exhuming the body is they think that maybe maybe they didn't actually kill H.H. Holmes when he was caught and tried and hung. They think that because he was so clever and he had all his connections and all this kind of money, some people have uh, uh, thought that he might have colluded with the police and the executioners and all this kind of stuff to provide another body to be hung and then buried. And that was the reason why, because he insisted that when he was buried, he would be buried in concrete and they believe that he did that so that no one would ever know that that wasn't his body in uh in the grave another thing i don't necessarily believe at all but some people say that oh he just faked his death and then changed his name again and then went off somewhere and they're like he may he very well may have killed thousands more after he was supposedly dead i don't i I don't buy it but it's credible enough that they're exhuming his body. I don't know what, I, I think they've already done it, but it's going to take a while for them to do all their tests or whatever. They just want to see if it is actually him that was buried. 
So that'll be interesting when they kind of that how are they gonna do they know where like his parents' graves are? How are they gonna DNA prove that it's him? I, I don't know. I, I think even, there's I people even, with too many pictures and maps on their wall with a bunch of yarn tying a bunch <laughs> of things together. And we're like, yeah. no, it's true. Yeah. Because I met a guy the other night, and the whole you know he, he comes walking up. He has a syringe behind his ear. Oh. I'm all hey. You have a syringe by behind your ear. Oh, thanks, brother. If it's kind of like in there like a cigarette, just uh, sort of. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, oh, thanks, brother. As a, you know, um, if this was full, I'd totally share it with you. I'm like, oh, hey, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no thanks. And yeah, I mean. He's it's like, just... I was talking to the Holy Ghost. <laughs> <clears throat> and the Holy Ghost said, if it makes you feel good, you can't be bad. And then, due to the algorithm accords, his words, <laughs> that's what gives the Holy Ghost power. <laughs> because if you think about the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost has the power to tell you that whatever's in this syringe is okay. Because as a father and a husband, I got to keep a little something for myself. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But that that just seems to, that just seems to be kind of a thing though these days is that basically anybody that like kind of fit this sort of profile during the time somebody out there is like well they were Jack the Ripper and so there's so many suspects and all this kind of stuff so of course you know it's kind of the same thing with uh, like the Unabomber and they they're you know when that happened and then he got caught and then some people are like oh well he was he he was clearly uh, uh, the Zodiac killer. You know, and then they've got their reasons, and you know. Well, Ted whatever, Cruz but, is the Zodiac yeah. killer, and Obama was the Antichrist. Yeah, and yeah. So that stuff's all kind of silly to me. And who knows? Maybe whenever they release their report, maybe they will be like, "No, that's not H. H. Holmes at all." I'm, as we've established in the last episode, I'm not a scientist. I don't know how to do rocket surgery, so I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do to kind of determine. But apparently they can, and they've they've dug him up, and I guess they're breaking the body out of the concrete, and they're gonna run their tests and find something out. So we'll, you know, I, I, whenever they release that, I imagine that we'll we'll kind of revisit um, to talk about that, however that ends up. But um, yeah, so during the entire time of the expo, the Columbian Exposition, World's Fair, he was operating with all this stuff, and he was never caught. Uh, for that, uh, that stuff didn't come out until later, because there's actually after the murder castle, after the expo ended, I mean, everything dried up, everybody left Chicago, and so the murder castle wasn't nearly as profitable, and so he had to kind of move on and do something else, and uh, that's kind of, that's a whole kind of thing in and of itself, and that's why this episode is actually going to be a two-parter. Because uh, we're going to talk about his PIC, what? his partner in crime, his ghoul, uh, a guy by the name of Benjamin Peisel. Mm, his Igor. His Igor. And in part two of our H.H. Holmes series, True Crime, of Spooky the Spooky podcast, we're going to talk about Benjamin Peitzel and how H.H. Holmes ended up getting caught in that sort of, that whole really kind of ridiculous situation. Um, so... I kind of want to end up on a up note. Okay, up note. Let's do that. Is that 
even though he was operating during this World's Fair, mm -hmm. this World's Fair was the introduction of the Ferris wheel. Really? Yeah. First Ferris so wheel, huh? Next time you're on the Ferris wheel, just remember to think of H.H. Holmes and his murder castle. Just a especially, mile away. Especially when you're stuck up at the top and it's not moving. <laughs> nice. Positive. <laughs> and the totally not methed out carny that's operating it <laughs> 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 hasn't already skeeved you out. <laughs> you can get your funnel cake once you get down. Right. Eventually. <laughs> but yeah, thanks so, all yeah, for okay. tuning in. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so we're, we're on pretty much all the podcast apps and stuff these days we're uh, managed to get everything on we're on itunes stitcher podbean all those things all those words that chris just said that so you can find us on on that stuff if those are the apps that you use if if there's an app that you use and you can't find us on there uh send me a message on our facebook page which is facebook.com slash the spooky podcast and you can send us a message there and, and i'll try and get that on whatever it is you use and uh you can go to that uh, Facebook page and you know interact you know we'll post stuff and send us a message uh, however you want you know social media that sort of thing and um, we'll see you next time for part two part two of H.H. Holmes on spooky. spooky the spooky podcast see you next week <laughs>